All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckstables? What the fuckleberry fins? What the fuckadelics? This is Mark Marin. This is my show. This is WTF. Welcome. I'm excited about today's show. I genuinely am excited. I'm genuinely excited about most shows, but uh, Allie Brosh is on the show today. And I don't know if you're familiar with Allie Brosh, but she's a fucking genius. She's hilarious. Nobody has made me laugh more than her in a long time. Her book and her blog, Hyperbole and a Half. There's a new edition out now. It's an updated it's a new edition of the book. It's uh, got the animated panels. It's got her sort of take on her life, which is very specific and very personal, but very relatable if you're like me. So if you like this show and you like me and you're a sensitive, maybe slightly dark person struggling with certain things that you're up against within your own mind on a day-to-day basis where the minutia just becomes paralyzing and overwhelming, well, this is a book for you. It's hilarious. I guarantee you it'll make you feel better and make you laugh. And I, I don't have to say this. It was not easy to get her. I mean, she was uh, she lives up in the hills somewhere up north, and I had to you know pull her down off of the mountain to get her to hang out and talk to me, and it was uh, it was amazing for me because I I know some of you uh, struggle with uh, with the war, the war with self, the war with bad patterns, the war with sadness, the war with anxiety, the war the war with depression. How are you going to get through it? You're going to get on some medicine? Are you going to just fight your way through it? Are you going to eat your way through it? Are you going to exercise your way through it? Are you going to create your way through it? Are you going to keep plowing and talking and doing things until it's out of you? How long does this exorcism take? How long will it take to get the shit filter cleaned within me? There's like just, there is some... There is, there is a filter, a scrim. There is something that reality passes through as it passes through my brain before it gets to my heart. And it just, it just turns things slightly dark. It's sort of like, how do I open the aperture, man? Well, I look, I, I can experience things uh, as they are relative to my perception of them. Not everything is dark, but you know what I'm saying? I, I was on stage last night at the Trippany house and, or the night before last it would be people have been great so i'm so glad that you guys came out had a couple of women open for me uh gene whitney open for me ashley barnhill open for me they did some uh, a couple of 10 minute sets uh, then i i went out there and talked about me for about an hour and a half or so but it's weird with me and I, and i know maybe some of you can relate to it and i think i touch on some of this stuff with ali is that uh you know, you're always going to come up against yourself eventually. And sometimes you arrive at the same place. You know, you think you've gone through some changes. You think you've made some progress. And certainly you probably have. But then that that old feeling comes back. Just this feeling of like, oh, fuck. What, this is it? And that's like a filter problem. Yes, this is it. But it was no different than when you were feeling good a day or two ago or when you felt great about that thing you did or whatever. It's not, you're not a different person. I just don't know why those things don't get cataloged properly. You know, once you start cataloging the good things or, or the progress you're making, you shouldn't have to regress back to uh, to the shit zone. You know what I mean? Why do I always, you know, end up backed into the shit zone? I just made, I just ran, you know, 70 yards. And now I'm in the, I'm in the other side. I'm in the, I'm at the beginning. I'm at the shit zone again. I mean, obviously it gets a little easier to get out of that, perhaps. 
You just have to create your way out of it or, or uh, feel your way out of it. But for me, uh, it, it just it becomes sort of interesting because I, I don't want to be a guy that just spins the same fucking plates all day long. I don't want to be a guy that just kind of repeats cycles. So something's got to give. I mean, I got to, you know, I got to cure cancer or something. I got to do something. I mean, that's a little high. That's a high expectation to put it myself. I don't, I don't have any, you know, I don't, I don't even have a Bunsen burner. So I don't, I don't have any safety goggles. Uh, so right out of the gate, the cancer cure is not going to happen unless I can do it, you know, with a cast iron pan and some basic spices. Some people think you can. I don't think that's my journey in life. Oh my God. What? Joel McHale's here. Hi. What What are you doing? I was just sitting down to do some things. You're a dead man. What? Don't put the knife down. Finally, payback. Yeah, no guest. I've had that thing on here forever. Like, I leave a lot of things for people to play with. Mm-hmm. No one's ever opened the knife. Uh, you have some I hostility inside you. Broken, and now the hammer. The nice broken hammer. Broken hammer. Sit down at the mic. Didn't you see Relax. That? I know that you saw Deliver Us From Evil, where I had a very long knife fight. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad sure. you enjoyed should I, that. Should I pre- I'll pretend. Oh, right. Of course. Right. It you was... Were... That was when I was nominated for. For... For... For all of the oh, awards. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I don't... Like, I, I... I got an NAACP award for that. Wow. Yeah. I, Incredible. I, it's amazing that uh, I saw it and I can't remember it. See? Yeah. It, I, well... It's so shocking. What What are you doing? Like, how often are you going to the gym? Uh, Forty minutes a day is my uh, thing. Forty gym. minutes a day. Forty minutes a day. What do you What, what do you do? Like your arms are bigger than your torso. Thank I mean, what's what? You. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, do you like you that? So much. Yeah. Forty minutes a day. You hear that, folks? Uh, yeah, forty minutes. You got to be intense. You can't just sit on a uh, elliptical with a magazine open uh-huh. and talking on the phone. That's Come, not how I do it. Okay. Well, what do you do? Do you just enter in a panic, jacked up? Uh, and just get in it. Usually, I have about six shots of espresso, yeah, sure. uh, a lot of anabolic steroids. Uh-huh. I drink them, uh-huh. uh, and so, then so we're pretty pretty healthy. Ball. Yeah, oh, pretty- very healthy. I have a lot of ab- acne on my back. <laughs> my balls have shrunken down to nothing. No, great, uh, great. If you do forty minutes a day, you'll notice a huge difference, my friend. Or if you can't do that, start with. I'm not kidding when I say that. Start with ten push-ups today, and then tomorrow do eleven. You don't think I can do ten push-ups? Day, uh no, no, you don't. Not with a rigid body. Look, I'm just trying to create controversy. <laughs> Mark Maron's about to okay, do some. Just, here we no, go. You stay on the mic. Let's go. Ten All right, here we go. Rigid body push-ups. What? Ten rigid. Body Ten push-ups. rigid. Oh no 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 no! Drop your butt a little bit. Drop your butt. There you go. All right, one, two, three, four. Oh, he's giving up, guys. He's. I know he's doing it. He's doing it. Look at that. Rigid. He's a strong man. He did it. He's doing more than ten. Boom. Now he's now. Let's see now, how let's much. Now let's see whose dick is bigger. Come I, on. I, I guarantee take yours is this. Ah, all right, I'll take it out. Oh uh, my god! It's the humanity. Uh, so how do you feel? I feel great. So I'm done for the day. You're done for the day. Tomorrow, eleven. <laughs> and but, I'm not kidding. So by next week, yeah, you'll be doing. You know, seventeen push-ups in a row. And I then, used to look. I you know, like. I just have to get on it. So you're saying forty minutes a day. How many days are cardio? Uh, I just every. I'll do ten minutes of cardio one day, or forty minutes one. I can't believe I'm talking about that. But uh, forty minutes one day, or uh, or it'll be all weights. Uh huh. It'll all, and then you gotta. You always gotta stretch. I stretch. That's I know. Good. I'm not. I know how to do this stuff. I've done it in my life. I'm just not as consistent about it. Right now, is this I why have, we are talking? Well, I, this... I have a good motivation, which what? is because um, I want to impress my children. No, uh, 
<laughs> kids, that, kids, that, come out. How's that going? No, because I'm half naked on Community, so I oh. we're getting ready to shoot it. So I have to. I don't want to. It's a great way to motivate yourself if you know you might be half naked soon on right. television, right? And uh, uh, or on Yahoo Screen. Yeah, is it? Oh, so you're going to shoot a half naked thing? I'm sure. Sh- I am anticipating it. I haven't seen the scripts yet, but Dan Harmon usually writes something in. So what's going on with that? It's all all systems go. You're still. It's all we the day literally the hour before all our contracts expired. Sony closed the deal with Yahoo, which is relaunching its internet portal, and it's going to be called. It is called Yahoo Screen, and uh, we're like their first wow. show. Uh, to it's because I I don't know how what the matrix they used to figure right. out that there was enough online presence to for people to spend fifty cents or a dollar for the episodes uh-huh. and uh, you're really are you gonna vomit no I'm kidding <laughs> and so so uh, so here we are so um, community's back community's back for fifty cents a pop or whatever whatever it is so but now no commercials and uh, it's you know Dan will have a Full control. He, he will have full control. The canvas, <laughs> the canvas is open and bare and ready. Look so, out! Yeah, so it's. I'm very. The excited. maniac is loose. Yeah, I'm very. The genius. Excited. Yes. So, uh, Merry friggin' Christmas is your first uh, big lead. It's my first lead. Yeah, lead. Lead role. Yeah. Good cast. No, got, not at all. Really, well, it's great Hacks. cast. Hacks. What are you kidding me? Candace Bergen, uh, Lauren Graham. Yep. Um, Clark Duke. Clark Duke. Robin Williams. Is this was this his last movie? Uh, yes, you, it was. And I should say Tim Heidecker's in it, too. Uh, Heidecker? So yeah. you guys and, go on. And Wendy McClendy Coven. So you're going after all all the age groups. We're getting everyone. Yeah, yeah you get the... Uh, the We're the, getting all the hipsters that watch Adult Swim. Yeah. Then you get Wendy, who's on a very traditional uh, sitcom and every big comedy. Right. You and get then, Candace Bergen, who was part Murphy of the biggest, biggest one ever. Clark Duke, who's Mr. Hip and Cool yeah. from The Office. Super nerd. Super nerd, but you know, but, I, these super nerds are not super. And who nerds, directed so. it? Uh, Tristram Shapiro. And you knew him from uh, Community. The, He's right. directed more episodes of Community. So it was going to be the Russo brothers who, uh, who, who, commu- uh, who were the executive producers and directed a bunch of Communities. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they got a little movie called Captain America Two, which took precedence over, <laughs> over this tiny little over movie. Merry freaking Christmas! Uh, and we, the Russos and I, we courted Robin. We went up to Marin to convince him to be in the movie. This yeah. was now three years ago. And he amazingly said yes. So, yeah, now that with everything that's happened, I it's hard for me to even talk about the guy and uh, without, uh, you know, uh, everything that happens when you think about someone who's just yeah. died. So, it's uh, profoundly sad. And yeah. But, I mean, I imagine that it must have been... Uh, well, you have very tangible, real memories of working with the guy. Yeah, and it, was it pretty amazing? It was amazing. Yeah, I, I will, I will, I will be able to tell my great grandchildren if I get to that point that uh, I got to work with him. Yeah, and uh, he was, as you know, I mean, you knew him, and and uh, he was, uh, he, he it's, that's there's that stupid phrase, "Never meet your heroes." Yeah, he is exactly the hero you want to meet. Great guy. He was such a good guy, and everyone, everyone, everyone. I, I've now post his death is always like, but he would. Did you notice anything? I was <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then they would yeah. say, um, he was just always on, right? And I was like, no. Yeah. He was always a good guy. Yeah. And he was always very funny, but it wasn't like he. It's not like he had to 
he wasn't one of those guys that had to walk in a room and dominate it, which he just walked into a room and he was there and right. that made him dominate it. Sure. But he's a very collaborative guy and totally. he was uh, generous with, uh, you know, with other actors, right? He's and, such a good example to and, follow. I mean, for his, the way he was on set was just like, he wants, you could tell that he wants to make everyone look good. Right. And he wasn't trying to score all the time. Which is tremendous and, that, you're, that you, we have this movie. I mean, because I, I don't, uh, you know, after his death, there was you know, obviously a lot of tributes and you know, you look at uh, you look at the past movies uh, again, but now you have this uh, this interesting document and this uh, this great little part that uh, you know that you, no one's seen before. Yeah, and, and it's Robin being you know acting. It's a little he's he's acting a little cranky, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what is exactly that? He the, plays a real jerk of a father. Your who, dad, my dad, and who also is a fun tells funny like is, has a good sense of humor mm-hmm. because. I think people that he is a real jerk, but he's playing a guy. The jokes come from his character in that he does not like. We do not like each other. How much improvising? Um, I would say I don't know. F- a bit, a bit, definitely. Yeah. Once scenes kind of got moving, we kind of. So what is yeah. the uh, story? Uh, it is about uh, I play a father with children, and obviously, and uh, my wife is Lauren Graham, and yeah. we decide to uh, through a happenstance. Will uh, Clark Duke plays my brother, mm-hmm. and he accidentally schedules the uh, baptism of his illegitimate child at on on Christmas Eve, <laughs> yeah. meaning I have to go to see my parents who I haven't seen in years. Uh-huh. And I, uh, so and we go there, it's fights, not And Clark good. is, who does he play? My brother. Okay. So, and uh, so, uh, because we look alike. Yeah. And, uh, and Robin and I are the same height. Sure. So it works out perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you never know. It was good that Candace was yeah, played my mom because we do yeah. kind of look alike. So, someone had to have the <laughs> g- genetic uh, uh, um, credibility. Yes. Yeah. We need the, 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 yeah. sla- or the uh, Nordic. So it's, so it's like a dark, crazy Right. Christmas. And then I forget the... In my haste and my stress to get everybody to my parents' home, I forget all the gifts. Uh So I was like, well, if I just drive back four hours and drive back, then I can make it. Mm -hmm. And through, uh, so it becomes like a road movie where Robin's character has to help me. Yeah. And and then we, uh, yeah. So you're you're in the car with Robin. Uh, There was a lot of time on a soundstage in a car that's being quietly uh-huh. quietly mm-hmm. shook by uh, some very nice <laughs> men with Robin no actual driving no there was some driving and that the you'll see the truck was about as easy to control as I, I it was it was like trying to drive a boat through the street well now you know when something like this happens when something horrible like this uh, you know we lost Robin and you know was there conversations about you know was there any did they have to do anything differently, you know, post in post production? Did they go back to the drawing board? Were they, uh, were they concerned about anything? There, I think there was. I mean, it was. There wasn't huge concerns, yeah. but um, the movie's rather dark. There was there was selecting the poster. Uh, right. We all kind of it was like we shouldn't put any pictures on it. Let's just have it be our names. Right. And then uh, that would be. Uh, better than some wacky Christmas right. photo, which it's not because it's not a wacky Christmas movie. It's it's got it's got cursing in it, uh-huh. so. and it's a family. It's a challenging family situation. It, yes, but, but it's the, not. But it's not an adult movie, and it's right. not a family fan like kids movie. It's a. I would say it's a family movie that you can watch because that's your family talks like that. It's probably. funny, yeah, and it's dark. 
It is dark, but it's not dark like Bad I Santa. Get it. I get it. Uh, right, right. But so, but but hopefully, you know, people will love it and it'll be one of those Christmas movies. Hopefully, it'll be <laughs> the biggest Christmas movie. <laughs> but in I think the it's like it's interesting because like it, 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 it's odd when and horrible when something like that is hanging over a movie. But yes. like with somebody like Robin, you're sort of like, well, I want to see him again. I, you know what yeah. I mean, and and it's I, a very strange uh, thing. Uh huh. Yeah, it's bizarre. And and I, I think that the the type of uh, sort of you know the way that people miss that guy, or they or they think they miss. I mean, there there might be some sadness to it, but you still want to see him work, and you want yes. to you, you, you know. Yeah, it, it was the strangest. The number of calls I got after his death to uh-huh. promote the movie was crazy. So I mean, it was everyone wanted to talk. Yeah, everyone wanted to talk about them talk about it and oh, yeah i mean i get that completely but i don't think we would have had as much uh-huh. response i probably wouldn't be here <laughs> no i mean you're you're, you're no, good, i chose you're, to do this god bless you you know i could have just pushed your movie without you <laughs> oh that's I, true you know <laughs> you it's know true. but uh but i, I mean, listened to your robin uh your your podcast with him and it was that uh, was great it was one of the biggest days of my life really and uh, you got a side of him not i don't even call it a side but that was like that's was like you oh, got that's, him that's him yeah that's and, you, and, and and now you're a guy that was, you know, in this amazing situation where you spent a lot of time with that guy. Yeah. And it's a great gift, you know, to have had that. Because I don't yeah. think a lot of people realize what a generous and sweet and thoughtful dude that guy was. No. And the, like in, when you grow up with him or you know him as this... this he's this, like a weird dad to you. Like, a weird, like, like But he's this huge force of nature. Huge. So when you're just sitting there and he's this sweet, kind of soft-spoken, you know, very generous dude, you, there, there's still part of your brain that's sort of like, it's, it's fucking Robin Williams. He's right yeah. there. But... He's, he, yeah, he became more than just a guy. I mean, he was such a big star. He would he would get up at f- before we would start shooting at six a.m. or whatever it was, uh-huh. and ride his bike for an hour. <laughs> I, I mean, it was crazy. And he, I remember, just to, we had this scene where we kind of we st- almost fight each other, and yeah. I grabbed his shoulder, and it was like grabbing a piece of granite. You know? Really, it was solid. He was so physically strong. Well, I mean, I, I just like you know, I'm happy for you that you had that experience with him, and, uh, and I'm uh, I'm happy that you know this yeah. movie is is around and yeah. that that you know it's going to represent his talent well. Uh, yeah, and, I think, and as you were just saying, people don't real. I mean, he was this massive star with this massive amount of uh, talent, and mm-hmm. he was so smart. Yeah, he would like we. I brought up we were talking about doping in uh, for uh, for you know the bike world. Yeah. With him with oh, he loved the bike races. Yeah, he yeah. knew exactly the chemical breakdown sure. of all the doping and how it worked. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to... Yeah. His brain was so much bigger yeah. than people realized. Yeah, it was on fire all the time. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. a big fan. I remember he was a big fan of, of the bike racing. But, uh, well, great. Well, good luck with the movie. It's great to see you. It's nice to you see you. Do you want me to do... I can do 10 more push-ups right now. I don't believe you. No, we'll do it off mic, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, why don't you hike your feet up on the edge of this uh, desk and see if you can do it that way and put a little more weight on your arms. All right, you, so you're gonna sit on my back? Well, no, 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 no. You just yeah. put your here. I'm, I know, I know, no, no, no. I know how. I know. So you're just you a, put your feet up there, and that just angle. means yeah. Hey, look, just, I'm not. I'm and not, you get a bit different part of your your body. Of your chest. I, I'm not yeah. here to you know for you to prove to me that you're a bigger man. I'm not here to do that. I am. Right now. That I'm. I don't have to prove it. I am literally a bigger man. Get out of my garage. Well, I can't. Get out. The door's too small. Get, Let me just rip the hinges. Good off luck here. with the movie. This is the. I thought this these podcasts were longer. Get out. See you later. Well, that was nice of Joel to stop by and uh, go see a Merry Friggin' Christmas. It's now playing in theaters and available on demand with the late, great Robin Williams and Joel and many others. 
Oh my God, brace yourselves, folks. Brace yourselves for a journey, for a journey and a discussion into the edge of darkness that exists in all of us. Somewhere between our heart and mind is, is, a, is a moving ledge. That's right. It's within you. I cannot even begin to express what an honor it is to, uh, to share with you this conversation I have with Allie Brush. I have a tremendous amount of respect for her personally, uh, for her journey as an individual, and uh, the way she found her, her, her art and, uh, and her, her mode of expression. It's just, uh, I, I love her. And, uh, and her book, uh, Hyperbole and, and a Half, is, is just, uh, it's relieving, it's hilarious, and it's deep. So let me, let's, let's talk to Allie Brosh now. I want to make sure I pronounce your last name right. Brosh? Yes. You Allie Brosh. You got it. Now, I, don't, I didn't know anything about you until I got this book. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people knew about you, and that made me upset. I so. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm always late to the game. And this book comes out, and then I read it, and uh, I identify too deeply with it. It makes it problematic, but hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, I'm thinking, like, how is this person staying alive in the world? I wonder <laughs> that all the time. <laughs> so that's the biggest mystery of my life. But I mean, like you, uh, you know, you seem okay. I, uh, I, I carry it off much better than I think than the reality is. How old are you? Do you talk about? I'm that? 29. You're 29, so mm-hmm. you're a young person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were not planning on being a cartoon artist. No, no. It just sort of happened. I actually studied human biology in college, and I was planning on being a scientist, but then panicked at the last moment and uh-huh. uh, decided to try other things. You seem to be proficient on your computer with this um, this paint, this this animating program. <laughs> uh, it's that's That's a lofty way to put it. Animating program. Oh yeah, it's like a little doodly program. Like I don't know what it is. See, like I don't even know that much. Like I, you know, I could do research on you and and learn the name of things. I think I did. Was it called Paintbrush or Paint? Yeah, Paintbrush. It's what does it just come on a computer? Yeah, it's like a free download thing. It's like MS Paint sort of. Yeah, you just sort of has a little brush tool and a fill tool, and so that's it. Yeah, you don't need to know. There's no steps. Not. Yeah, I mean, like steps is in like I have to put down different lines, but more than that. And you just drag around. Yeah, it. just drag it around. I have a trackpad. But once you around. created the version of you that is a cartoon, you what what? Uh, how do you repeat that over and over again? Is there what are, is there anim? How, do, can you just bring that guy up? That person? Yeah, it's sort of like a. It, it took a while to get to that final form, but I sort of have it in my head now. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> how did you? How did this form evolve? <laughs> so, uh, we're gonna go back, but I'm yes. we're in this now. Okay, okay, so. When I sit down to write something or convey something, um, I have a an image or a feeling in my head that I'm trying to transfer to whoever I'm communicating with relatively unadulterated right. from my head to theirs. and Through this medium. Through this medium. Through words and the paintbrush. Yeah. yeah. And so with pictures, it's, I have this, this abstract concept that I'm trying to put down on the page and communicate. And that was just sort of the best way that I figured out how to do it. Because it was simple. It was simple, and that, and that's really what I'm like on the inside, I feel like. That picture is me, more me than I am. But you decided that after, after like, there because you chose this medium because you were fucking around on your computer. Yeah, 
yeah, it's just sort of nice. Like I feel it's like not, it wasn't years of painting or no, like no. <laughs> like it just sort of. Well, this is the drawing program I have available. I'm going to use this. And, right, and this was the relationship you built with this representation of you. I, yeah. I imagine it evolved, and you accepted it. Yeah, it, it wasn't waiting to happen. Do you, do you know what I mean? That yeah. I mean, you. I think if you were to conceive of yourself at some other time before paintbrush and what your inner <laughs> self looked like, it would not have been that. Yeah, it would have had to. It would have had to be something else. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I've been reading too much of your book. So you grow up outside of Sacramento, horrible, and then what happens? So we moved to Sandpoint, Idaho when I was eight. Are your parents off the grid people? Are they? Well, so my mom had a dream, and I think I'm pretty sure she just really wanted to get out of the Sacramento area, and yeah. she used this dream as the like impetus, the, as the excuse to Did go. she grow up in Sacramento or she outside grew up of there? In, she grew up near there, a right. little further south. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she she grew up in California her whole life, and right. I not think interesting was, California. Yeah, she she wasn't she was sick of the heat, sick of the like people, like just yeah. a bunch of people there. Yeah. She wanted to get out somewhere where there was right, so where she could just sort of live. I guess not off the grid necessarily. I feel like that's a that's a loaded term off the grid. Well, I'm not saying she There's was a, a survivalist or a white yeah. supremacist or, yeah. <laughs> but you know, just sort of uh, away. Yeah, she wanted to. She wanted to get away. Wanted to be in nature. So that was her dream, nature. Yeah, and then she, so she had this dream, um, and my mom believes in all this like mysticism, dream stuff. Yeah, like oh, she's uh, kind of uh, new agey. Yeah, oh, super new agey. Like uh, there's no coincidences. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's my mom. <laughs> okay, like uh, uh, certain rocks, crystals, candles. Oh, crystals. Yes, I had to drive with a crystal in my glove box of my car. She would not let me go anywhere without it. Do you remember what what? type of crystal it was um, i believe it was like an amethyst okay or like a quartz and that was or a, something a protecting crystal i i think so yeah it was uh-huh. a sort of a pinky color one does she read the I Ching? does she uh, I, don't know, I don't know about that one i know that she has just like bookshelves of so this is of, she's one of those um kind of new age fragmented system of understanding through many different um, methods that are removed from our larger methods. Yes, yes, <laughs> that, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 also it functions as a way to decorate your house. Yeah, <laughs> we have crystals all over. It, yeah, it, little points of light. She says points of oh good. She likes the points of light. So she's still in this. She oh she's very much still in this. And uh, is she a healer of any kind? No, she she just sort of likes it, and she it's very concerning to her that I I'm not very spiritual, mm. and th- this is a a great point of anxiety for my mother. But but her spirituality is based on so many different things. So see, she she calls herself a generally spiritual person because yes. she's aware of all these different possibilities and yeah. levels and yeah. interpretations. And okay, all right. So that so she ran away. Yes. Yeah, so so we <laughs> so we, we all moved up to northern Idaho. Okay. And, uh, and your dad in all this is yep. he's, yeah he's he's, he's there. just along for the ride or is he a uh, yeah, he, he just sort of, my, my dad loves my mom. And when my mom gets an idea in her head that she wants to do something, my dad just, okay. Okay. And he goes. <laughs> so, did, but how does he tolerate the language around the crystals and around the possibilities of mysticism? And... It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I never wondered about that until I was an adult. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he just sort of goes with it. He knows it's important to her. And he doesn't doesn't question it, sort of just. He, he's he's more like me. So he really loves her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just like, okay, okay. So he he's sort of the calming influence? Yeah, he I'd keep, say so. So like probably despite whatever beliefs your mother has and all this other st- stuff, the thing that grounds her is him. Yep. 
<laughs> he's just sort of he's just sort of there and he's, he's the unfluctuating constant exactly in a world of chaos that's being managed by several different systems mm-hmm. okay got it so that's what you grew up in that's what i grew up in yes and and uh no, well there's also my aunt and my grandmother in the equation yeah we some all... of them are in the book so we your all aunt's grew in the up. book yes so they were all in idaho they all went there at the so same we, time we were all living together in the same house in california um, my mom moved back in with with her mom uh, after she and, and my your dad father. Got married. Yes, so they they all moved in with my mom's mom. Who and your aunt was there? And my aunt was there. My crazy big aunt. House. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, not not super big house, but and you're all there, which yeah, we're is all nice there. to some degree. And you have a sister. Yes. Okay, well, just the two of you. Mm-hmm. What? I she she died. Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was this year. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it, um, it was sort of a long time coming, I think. Was she ill? Yes. Oh. Um, she is bipolar. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, she she just got in a real bad depression and... And ended it? And ended it, yeah. <laughs> I, I come from that, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's in my family, and you do too, I mm-hmm. guess. Do, is, uh, do you have other members of your family that are bipolar? Um, Not not bipolar. I mean, I'm I'm depressive. You've got that. Oh, you're, yeah. you're classified as depressive. That's mm. the diagnosis. Well, let's get to that. And I'm I'm sorry to hear about your sister. That's very sad. I compartmentalize. I deal I I deal with tragedy well. I yeah. guess you could say. Uh huh. Um, I I feel I feel okay about it now. I mean, it was definitely hard. Uh, especially I was I was going through a really tough depressive episode at the time it happened, and mm-hmm. so it was um a little bit tougher to get through it because I. I couldn't navigate my feelings because I didn't know what they were doing. I couldn't feel them enough to like know what they were doing. <laughs> right, right. So you, your your depression is cyclical. Uh yeah, I'd say. I mean, for like the last four years, yeah. I've pretty much just been depressed to varying levels. It just, it gets worse sometimes, and uh-huh. then sometimes it's for the last four years. About four years, yeah. Holy shit, <laughs> that's a uh, that's that's hard. Yeah, um, but I think that you get. Sort of a, a, an amazing amount of credit that's well deserved in in how you navigate that illness in the book. Like I, I know that because like I I talk about my feelings fairly frankly on my show, and and I, I I imagine it's the same with you in the sense that you had no idea the type of relief and and gratitude common you know people who think like you experience when they read your stuff. Yeah, it, it was really surprising to me, right? Because you think that when you're depressed it's like your own specific brand of misery nobody else would be able to experience or like be able and, to relate or to that. understand or, it. yeah yeah but the way you broke down in the two chapters in the book about depression the way you broke down you know your exact feelings of how it affects your day-to-day life and what your brain is doing your relentless self-examination is sort of a, a portal in to, to like i i would i read your book and i said to myself i'm like wow maybe i am depressed because i <laughs> i put that aside because mm-hmm. my father's depressive so like but i was very much sort of like fuck that i'm not gonna be that so mm-hmm. i'm gonna fight it like that but there's definitely specifically the thing of of like why bother yeah that thing the apathy yeah yeah in a way be, even if it's good things like i don't even know what to buy sometimes like i want to buy a thing because that'd make me happy it's like what's the point I'm yeah that like, that sounds about like the experience <laughs> But then there's other parts that are fine. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel when I'm in like not the absolute worst part. Right. I got diagnosed as dysthymic once. Yeah, that's that seems like a 
I I've heard that. I've heard that term. It's like a fancy word for like sort of depressed. And yeah, yeah, sort of depressed. Yeah, Just chronically sort of depressed. D- yeah, chronically but, like. But don't you ever get that thing where you're like, well, who the fuck isn't? And then and I then guess you, so, but and, but then, it depends yeah. on how long it goes on and like whether you can feel enthusiasm. Right. That I feel like that's that's when I I know I'm not doing very well if I if I can't feel any degree of enthusiasm about. So anything. you're just flat, like you're, just it's t- like exactly. A, it's like a phantom limb. Like well, I should be. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Like cognitively, I know what like how my reaction should be to things. I can see, so I ha- sort of have to like reverse engineer my just every interaction that I have with things. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, this is like it's it's very like clinical. Like right. this is how I would feel if I was a normal person. Right. And then try to do that. <laughs> it's hard to, but it's hard to determine what normal is because I used to yeah. when, in stand up. I used to justify depression as being a reasonable reaction mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know you you know you went up to bend it's beautiful i mean there's no reason to not feel good right yeah well, exa- and that's the problem is that i get i get down on myself about it it's like you know i i have a good i have a great life yeah and there's no reason to feel depressed about anything but that's that's sort of the hallmark of it is it's not about anything yeah you have to you have to accept that you have to yeah. accept it accept it as a mental illness mm-hmm. all right so let's go back so you're living in this huge house with your grandma and your aunt and your mom and dad and your sister. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes to Idaho? Everybody goes to Idaho. Because your mom wants to. Yes. Powerful woman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, she she had a she made a case for herself. I don't remember what it was. I was I was pretty distraught about having to leave my my friends. Yeah. And but what was the life like up there? Did she buy a piece of land? Did she have a business in mind? Yeah, so so my grandma actually um had a, a bunch of money saved. And my grandma put down money on buying the property that we have, and it's, it's a. Uh, it was, I imagine, pretty cheap. It's how many, way out. Like how many acres? I think about twenty acres. It's a huge. It's it's a huge amount of property, way out in the middle of nowhere, northern Idaho. Pretty. It's like, I I think so. I mean, it's it's sort of swampy. Does she still the have lower it? Half. Yeah, they're okay. they're actually thinking about selling it now. Um, now, uh-huh. but uh, but yeah. So we, I grew up in this house. Um, they, they built the house on the property to sort of keep down costs. So it is sort of the the homesteading, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, pleasant side of off the grid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, we were uh, like, nice off the gridders. Did you have any weird neighbors who were the wrong oh, we, kind we of off gridders? One weird neighbor, <laughs> yeah, uh, Lyle. He was a weird guy. He'd just stand out by his mailbox and like just survey things, like look around. Oh yeah, take the scene in, waiting for something to just happen. Just waiting for something to happen. He, he, he wanted to be the first one right. to just get in there he when knew, something happened. He knew something was going to happen. He was and ready. He, <laughs> Yeah, and so so he he like knew, saw that we had moved in, and he came over, and my parents saw him just like wandering around the yard, sort yeah. of like poking around, looking right. at the landscaping, whatever. And yeah, they're like, uh, "Hey, can can we help you?" And he's like, "Oh, hi. Uh, you mind having me in for a beer?" <laughs> you mind? <laughs> yeah. And my parents were like, uh, "I guess not." <laughs> uh, I I wasn't there. I've I've just heard the story. Yeah, cobbled the story yeah. together from yeah. And what happened? Them when Lyle came in for a beer. He hung around for an uncomfortably long time, and finally, my dad. My my dad is a very passive man. He doesn't yeah. like confrontation. Uh-huh. But he finally just got up and was like, "Maybe it's time to go, Lyle. Maybe it's time to, to go it, home." And and I was, "Oh, okay, okay." And, 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 and is that how the relationship has remained? I mean, do, pretty are they, much. Are yeah, they I friends think, though? I mean, or at least I I don't think he ever came over after that. That was the only time he ever <laughs> came over. It's just added to his grudge pile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those people are part of the problem over there. He he was he was the only weird one that lived right next to us. Mm-hmm. There were some there was a guy I I went running one time. I I was big into running in high school. Um 
And my friend was uh, was biking with me. Yeah. He was going to ditch the bike and then continue running with me for like, he didn't want to run as far as I did. Yeah. So he wanted to bike part of it, run part of it, and then get back on the bike. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh, we stop at some bush where he can ditch his bike and we can we can start running. And about a mile down the road, this car speeds up to us. Yeah. And there's this guy who saw us saw us ditch the bike. And he's like, well, what's that about? Yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, we're, we're just exercising. He's like, are you sure you're not terrorists? You <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that guy. He didn't. I, did, I had no idea who he was. See, that's never a, seen him before in my that's life. That's the Idaho, I think, is up there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's those guys. There's the TM people, or I think, have a big compound in Idaho. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like this weird combination of hippies, uh, uh, off the grid people, you know, like uh, anti government, but yep. Americans. <laughs> and then there's the Aryan Nation people. I, I don't know <laughs> what, but but that's very funny to me because yeah, the way I picture it is that when something happens, anything happens, uh, it's such a minimal environment that it must be yeah, so loaded it's just for any... out of proportion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh crap, there's like that, that somebody ditched a, the bike. Yeah, that's a the, bomb. Something's they, going down. <laughs> yeah, something's going down where? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if I was a terrorist, I would be the worst terrorist yeah, in the history yeah. of the world like what what, are they what sort bu- of plan is that <laughs> yeah go out in the yeah. middle of northern idaho where there's nobody and ditch a bike and then go do something yeah, the bike is explosive <laughs> yeah it's gonna blow up the bush oh i can i can't believe that you grew up like that but it, <laughs> it must have been nice on some level so okay so what was your mom's big plan though just to live there or yeah, she, just to, to live there no job no she uh she's a graphics art a computer graphics artist oh really so she got a job working for like a like a not newspaper, but you know those like pamphlet, like handout, like ones with like the little things that have the brain teasers and trivia oh, yeah. questions on them. She does those. Yeah, so she did the, that. Was the first thing she did, and so then she, she moved. So you kind of come from illustration. In a I way. guess so. Yeah. <laughs> did you, I mean? Did you watch your mom do that when you were a kid and think like, well, maybe I can do that? I, I saw her doing the stuff. Like she had the the like light table with the exacto knife. Like that's mostly the stuff that I that I'd see her do. Oh yeah, back when people did that. Yeah. <laughs> and what'd your dad do? He's a sort of a jack of all trades. He's a handyman. Oh really? Mm-hmm. So he just goes around and says, "Yeah, I can build that for you." Yeah. So he he works now for a a hotel chain or a, a chain of like restaurants and hotels, and he just goes around and fixes stuff. He's a he's a fixer man. <laughs> fixer. They're very they're very important. Here yes. He gets called at like five o'clock in the morning. Oh, he has yeah. to come in and like yeah do something some There's plumbing thing yeah mm-hmm. something that he has to if he can fix it or I, he has to get a guy to come fix it yeah 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 like i yeah the handymans in the la area are notoriously um you just never know how your house is wired or anything like if you ever get into the walls of an old house here people are like this is all just tape you know, <laughs> it's just entirely <laughs> built out of tape right there's no 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 one ever hires an electrician they just call a guy <laughs> and they have him fix it so, what'd you do in uh, in high school? Your plan was not to be this um, this brilliant uh, illustrator writer person. It's definitely not my plan. Uh, I let's see. You ran track. I ran track. I ran track and cross country. Yeah. Um, so you could run long distances. Yeah. I, was that helpful? <laughs> it was very helpful. I feel like running. Looking at it in retrospect, I feel like running was my attempt to self medicate. Yeah. Um, I well, have. That, that's a good choice of them. It is. It, it exhausts me. You know, I, I have ADD and some some amount of anxiety. When I run and I exhaust myself, I don't have energy to, to be that way. Yeah. And so I can just sort of chill out. You know what I'm thinking right now? Hmm. I got. I have to run. I have, I have to start running again. Yeah? That's what Did I'm you thinking. run? No, I, I ran like a week or so ago. I was like close to getting back into the habit. Mm. And then I just went on the road to work and I 
ate a lot of stuff. And That's then, tough. Yeah, and then you just start eating, and you're like, oh, now I'm fucking, now I'm just. And it's that, that like, spiral, right? Yeah, I'm fucked. And then, you like, can't... you got to pull it all back and, like, just start denying yourself food and start running. That Yeah, so that. You do that? The, well, not exactly that, but, like, I, I know what you're talking about, like, the, the general shape of it, mm-hmm. where, like, my life will start to spiral downward in some way, like, I'll. I'll just let one thing go, and then that makes it harder to do the other things. Yeah, because you, you don't say, feel good, right? But you say you have an ability to compartmentalize, but not when you're going down. Not really, because once there are too many things that pile on top of each other, it's just like, well, especially accompanied by apathy. Yeah, it's just like, well, how do <sighs> I, how do I even get out of this? And like, it's exhausting. What? Yeah, and that's the, and that's where the anxiety comes in, because mm-hmm. that's what I, I learned about myself. I don't know, maybe as someone who self-examines. Like I used to think I was like experiencing depression, but then I realized I was, I was experiencing anxiety that became dread, and then I get exhausted, yes, and that it looks is like exhausting. depression. Because like you're like, oh, I can't, and, then I, and that moment feels like depression. But I've decided it's just the end of the anxiety cycle. That's how I've self-diagnosed. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, I, I was actually really relieved when I first became depressed because that was the first break I'd had from anxiety. When I'm really depressed, I don't have enough anything Energy. in me to be anxious. All right, so you're in high school, you're running, you're getting, you're doing good in school. Yeah, I did. I did well until my senior year of school, and then things sort of train wrecked. But you could, you could have been worse. You were running. You weren't on drugs. Yeah. You weren't driving around drinking. Yeah. Huh. That's <laughs> I, was, good. I was doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. What happened in your senior year? Uh so my that's when my sister started getting sick, and so when she um have that manifest itself. She became extremely manic, and the way her manic episodes manifested were she she had what the psychologist called psychotic manias. Yeah, where she just totally lose touch with reality, and oh my God. Um, yeah, but just do crazy things. Yeah. Nobody could figure out what was wrong. Right, right. Um, you know, my my parents had no experience with this. They mm-hmm. they didn't know what it was, and so it was everything was sort of tumultuous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my parents had their own struggles they were going through, and thing things were just weird at home. Right. Uh, so a little bit of that. I had my own my own weirdness going on, and I I just couldn't couldn't cope with it. And I what wanted kind to, of weirdness. Oh, probably identity stuff. Oh, I, high I, school per, stuff. Yeah, but periodically I go through a a phase where I just realize, oh, my identity is all wrong, and I have to like break it down and rebuild it from what, scratch. What were you at that point? Like a jock kind of. I've uh, never really known what I am. Well, that's, who that's who were you hanging out with in high school? Who were your friends? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of everybody. Oh yeah, I, I was intimidated by the cool kids. I was right. never, I was never a cool kid. Right. Um. They, they sort of like made an attempt to maybe like maybe I could be in that group, but I was too. They scared. reached out. They sent yeah, they, a representative. They and uh, and I, I was too scared. I was no, I'm I'm not gonna. Not cool. Not gonna too do much that. pressure. Yeah. I got. I'm gonna have to keep up with music. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and figure out what people are wearing. So you felt like an outsider. Oh yeah, yeah. I de- um. I was always an awkward kid. Mm-hmm. I just never, I, I was always behind, never knew what to do with myself or like how to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I, I got most of my, I, I, so my, my friend, my best friend, this is this kid named Joey. He was a cool kid and I, I never, I never was. And I, I always felt very intimidated by him. And much of my early life was, uh, was defined by trying to get him to think that I was cool. Uh-huh. And, and he would, he would, you know, give me advice on like how to dress. Yeah. So I would. I spent, you know, my early preteen years wearing like Jinko jeans and baggy shirts. Yeah, just totally. Sure. Like rocking the skater guy look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, did, and you never felt comfortable. 
I mean, I, I didn't fit into anybody but him. Like he he didn't know what he was doing either. Is the thing. Like he didn't know what he was doing. So he was to me, pulling he looked it like, off. Right. Like he looked he looked like he knew what he was. So doing. he confided in you that like, look, I don't know what's going on either. He so didn't confide in me. It's just now that I, now that we're adults, I can clearly see that. Oh, like, you're still friends with him? Oh yeah, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. So it lasted. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and, and you it, it, initially it wasn't a dating thing. It was just pals. No, no, you just felt like just outsiders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like the tumor on his life. He saw that I, I wasn't meshing with, like, he found this group of cool friends, and I wasn't meshing with the cool friends. <laughs> what do you mean we're meshing? What, how does that happen? <laughs> like, what, what, what moment signifies that for you, the unmeshing? They, they, could, they could just tell. Like, they, cool kids have this sense where they can just know that you aren't one of them, right? <laughs> and they can see, like, and, okay, so it, it also didn't help that about three months earlier, my friend Joey had dared me to shave my head. Uh, just, oh, you did that! I did that um, because because he dared me to, and I didn't want to look like people I was that don't know who they are can't shave their heads. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't I, know who I was. And I, I did that. I, and I hadn't I hadn't worried about it at, up to that point, really. It's the worst that that because you can't do anything about it. Yeah, and it grows back so slow. And I did that once because the same reason I think. It's and, and it's awful, right? And I, but I was like tw- in my twenties, yeah. And I didn't have a, se- I like, I decided like, well, people just go to those razor cut places and they get there, they just get shaved and it's comfortable. And at that point, I bought a skateboard because I wanted mm-hmm. to hang out with the guys who could skateboard. But Aren't they cool? To- yeah, but I couldn't skateboard. And I'm in my twenties though. I'm not in fucking high school. <laughs> so I shaved my head and I had my skateboard. And at some point, I just looked at my head and I, and I just like. It it was almost like there was no definition. Yeah, it was completely horrible. And but you what you don't realize at that moment is that well with your case because it was a dare and you were in high school and you're a woman it was probably more impactful. But no one's looking at me going like who why is that guy have no <laughs> sense of definition? But I felt that right right. So you shave your head and and what happened? Well, so so this was I was 13 I think when I shaved my head, uh, and this it was like. It was really bad timing. It was about two weeks before I discovered that I'm interested in boys. Yeah. Uh, I, I had no, like, no view of self before this, no, like, mm. no self-consciousness, nothing. Then I shaved my head and I discovered, wow, I'm not pretty. And uh, and, and, and it was pure. Like, there, was, this was unadultured. Like, it was, it, yeah, it no was, distraction with hair. This yeah, just it was nothing. And, and Oh, and I had giant braces. And, and you know, when you, when you do something like that, like, yeah. when you do something that's so obviously, like, it it just shows that you don't know how to fit, you know, do the things that show people you can be one of them. Like they see you and they're like, "This, there's something wrong here." Right, but but the thing is, is that they, I don't know, like I don't know how you were able to track it. Yeah, you know, in terms of this weird, uh, there it's sort of a mixture of um, there's some missing, there's a fundamental missing piece to your sense of self. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, I can kind of track it to like having fairly self-involved parents with no boundaries and, you know, no one really, you know, you know, provided the amount of discipline for me to sort of feel like I was making decisions mm-hmm. for myself. It just felt like I was a wild animal of some kind, you know, who had. To, I totally feel like that. Right. You kind of got to build your identity on your own. Yeah. And it's this weird lifelong project just to mm-hmm. arrive in your fucking body. And I, I'm 50 and it only happened to me like five years ago. I don't know where you're at with it, but. But I, I don't know what clinically that is, but um, but but what I noticed when I was that age was that there was just this weird discomfort and, and paralyzing self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, what they're sensing is not that you just don't have <laughs> the ability to get out of your head. Yeah. 
because you're constantly double checking yourself and you know and and also and this I don't I'm talking a lot but that's okay right oh it's totally okay. all right so um I like when you talk so also what I realized because I I did some of it the other night was that you start looking and I think you do this in your writing as well you sort of illustrate this is you look at everything else about you like just decisions you're making and like uh, the like this is the wrong shirt for life (laughs) that kind of thing like like it all it'll take is one little thing to make you completely insecure and then you kind of change it up well what if i drank that instead of this or what maybe i should drink both of them and they just become this like this horrible you know spinning of uh, one thing can like destabilize the whole machine Mm -hmm. what the fuck is that I don't know, man. Let's think about it. Was there any discipline in in the house? There was discipline. I mean, my my parents were pretty hands off. Like they, I, I had a lot of freedom. Uh, my mom believed more in explaining things to me. Like uh, instead of disciplining me, she'd say, you know, like this is why this was a bad decision. This is mm-hmm. why this would have been a better decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she was very open about mm-hmm. stuff. Like but I, that's but that's hard when you're a kid because you just want them to make the fucking decision. <laughs> I suppose so. I mean, because that's what my mom used to do. That she used to say things like, "Do you want me to say no?" Mm. No. What is that? <laughs> just you know, <laughs> how is that going to help me? Yeah, mm. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like a paralysis of having too many options. Right. You you yeah. You want to sort of kind of like can, can can you give me a value system? Can you teach me? You're because right. like that one thing I, I was in the book. Is that the idea of you know good and bad, and am I a good person? Am I not a good mm. person? Is that to kind of have to manage, due to your own you know uh, judgment of yourself, you know what is right and wrong, and then to sort of assess the fact that well you're not a good person because you're doing all this for selfish reasons. Well, a lot of things are done. You know, mo- I-, I would say most great things are done for completely selfish reasons. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd say so. I mean, mo- most it's just things- no one talks about it. I mean, I, I don't know if it's possible to act completely unselfishly because even if you do, like, you know that you did the thing, so you get to feel good about it. And so it sort of, like, negates. But I do think there are people that think about others others first, mm-hmm. like, you know, either by, you, you know, training or, or by... You, you yeah, know, but do, do they do that because it's an important part of their identity? You know, they, they want to be the person well, who puts other people first? Well, if they're, like, a, 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 a Mother Teresa or something, all those people mm-hmm. have flaws, <laughs> You know, but yeah, they well, they might even be codependent to the point where you know they don't even like themselves, so they just live through other people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different options. All right, so so your senior year, your sister starts to get sick. You're just growing your hair back. I'm, I made it through. I almost didn't graduate mm. um, because I, I'd missed too many days of school. Because because I just sort of I couldn't deal with being there. I just wanted to. I don't know. Were be you, somewhere else. Were you ditching? I was ditching school. I'd still study. Like right. I, I was one of those kids who would like still read the book. Were you still running? I was still running. Yeah. You just didn't want to go into class. Just didn't want to go into class because you felt. I, I've always had a problem with with schedules. Like this is, I think why I do what I do now is because I don't I don't really think I had any other option in my life. Like if this that feels didn't, same if way. this career path didn't work out or it didn't come I, to you. Yeah. If 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 it didn't happen, I, I that it was my only option. It's <laughs> well, thank God you found it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been doing comedy my whole life, and I don't know what else I would have done. And it's completely—it's very similar in that you know, it's very immediate. You know, you're engaged with it. You know when you're being funny. You know, and you can put your thing up on the blog after you mm-hmm. make it, and you get the reaction. And There's sometimes n- that's terrifying. <laughs> no, it is. And I imagine. I'm sure stand up even more so. But but it's just weird. It's just like these are things that are that 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 are immediate. 
Do you, mm. you, you know what I mean? There's no kind of like uh, you're not working for somebody else. You don't have yeah. to, you know, work in a group situation. <laughs> yeah. You, there's not a lot of schooling necessary. You, you get you, the reward right away. Yeah. And I, yeah, I guess maybe I have trouble like thinking about long-term rewards. It's tough to, you know, it's like what we were saying earlier about the multi-step process. I can't think, uh, I have a hard time thinking about next week without panic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's it's probably important for people like you and I to have something more immediate. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. Right. So you almost don't graduate. So your parents, are they busting, are they are they on you about it? They um they actually sort of took my side with the whole thing because like my, my grades weren't bad. You know, I, I graduated with a, a fine GPA and yeah. everything, but um, I just, I wasn't, you know, there, there's a certain amount of days that you have to be sitting in a chair in school. Mm-hmm. And um, they're one of my, I think it was my, my vice principal was just like, no, you can't graduate. And this was infuriating because I had a, I had a scholarship and, you know, my parents aren't wealthy. They, you mm-hmm. know, they, uh used their retirement fund to pay for my sister's treatments and, and everything. And yeah. so uh, they didn't have money to send me to college. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have been able to go to college <laughs> right? if I hadn't gotten if I wouldn't a scholarship. Have graduated. Yeah. And it was just sort of like, you know, I'd missed the, the days by like two, I was over by like two days on the number of days I'd, yeah. I, I, Not I couldn't miss. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so finally they settled on, okay, well I have to come, I have to come to school after everybody's gone and just sit in a chair for the, number of days that I missed and then yeah. then it would be forgiven right so yeah I just went and sat in a chair in a room to, <laughs> to fulfill a, a requirement of me paperwork yeah punishment exactly just like sit here and think about and what nothing you've done. other than that vice principal could say that you made the days up yep that's ridiculous <laughs> but you did it I did it and then you went to college yes was that a disaster sort of um yes so, sort of yeah I I feel like in college, all of the not fitting in part was just, it was magnified. Amplified, yeah. Amplified. Yeah. So I was on the um, the track and cross country team. At least you had that. Well, that that was where the, the weirdness came in. Like a lot of the, I, I never felt like I fit in on, on the team. <laughs> really? That's, yeah. But it's sort of essential for a team. It you, is, you, isn't it? It's the idea of team. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Why exactly? Well, I, it all started. My my freshman year roommate was this girl named Julie, yeah. and Julie is she was terrifying to me. Yeah, just, just the embodiment of everything terrifying to me in another person. Really, like <laughs> just extremely judgmental and um, unforgiving. And she she was cool. I could tell she was cool. And, uh, which is bad. Which is, yeah, I mean. Cool, judgmental, unforgiving. Just, just I, I was worried so I, I wouldn't be able to keep up with her. And I wanted her to like me so bad. I just, I, I wanted to be best friends with her yeah. and, and have her and have her feel the same way about me that I felt about her. Yeah. And and she didn't. Yeah. And it, it didn't go well. And it's sort of like from there, things spiraled like. She wasn't on the team though. She was she, just she your was. roommate. Oh, she was on the and team. So, um, and so, I, and I don't know what this is all about, but there's this political thing that happens sometimes where like if somebody doesn't like you they have to convince other people that they're right like that that right. their dislike of you is correct yeah that's and kind so of they have to... it's a type of bullying in I, a I guess so <laughs> it's sort of a campaign yeah to so it's usually campaign you. campaign against me and she so, did yeah and tell people oh yeah she is she you know leaves her clothes out of her drawers and doesn't clean up and Ugh. uh yeah, just just weird stuff, and so it just hurt me deeply when I figured out that this was happening. Because well, I, yeah, because like you already feel 
yeah, <laughs> awkward. And now there's there's actually a reason to feel excluded because she's trying to. She's a bully. I, I I suppose so. Yeah, she. Go ahead. It's okay to say it now. <laughs> I see. I, I'm I'm worried that like, is she gonna listen to this? Is she gonna feel? Is she gonna feel bad? Am I gonna hurt Julie's feelings? Like, what if we could still be friends? What if? What How if long has it been? Oh gosh, so like ten years. So you're still worried about Julie liking you? Probably. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think there's a part of me that's still like, maybe it can happen. Maybe it can. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe someday. Wouldn't you, I, <laughs> but wouldn't you rather the scenario be that you run into Julie again? And you're like, I don't even want to be your friend now. <laughs> I, I guess because when I really think about it logically, I don't think Julie and I would really even get along. Like even if she liked me, yeah. we are we just don't share perspective. Like we don't have enough in right. common to be like to have fun together but to, you, to be friends. You envied her ability to. To move through the world. Probably. Yeah, and I, and I just took it as like, you know, she didn't like me and that bothered me. Mm-hmm. It really bothers me. Like, I, I have this thing where I want, I, I want everybody to like me and, and that's how I feel okay. I hide it. You hide it? Well. I, I, I've, I've moved on. I think that's the phase I'm in now where I'm trying to sort of like cover yeah. up that like well, I don't want underbelly. Even want, I don't want to believe that I want everyone to like me. Yeah, because it makes you feel weird, right? Yeah, because it's, it's, it's still like an indicator that my personality is 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 not defined yeah do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like that my sense of self is so fragile Mm -hmm. that like i need you know everyone to yeah Yeah. but like but i've gone out of my way through most of my career to alienate almost everybody at some point or another (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel i feel like i i do that as well (laughs) and i'm and i'm an angry person i you know Mm. when i get close to people then i I put them through horrible trials and tribulations What, what does that look like well if like i if i really do get close to somebody then I'm I'm constantly feel like I I'm either you know being manipulated or judged or or um or they're lying. Like if somebody really does like me, I'm like that nah, you that's bullshit. You don't really like hmm. me. You don't have any of those. Uh, I I I do. I'm less less suspicious, less about the the lying, but I yeah I, I think that the way that I've dealt with it is I. I either have to get really close to somebody yeah. or I can't really be around them because like we have to sort of tear down walls pretty pretty early. But this is a friend or a boyfriend or a husband. Yes, it's something right. that that I get that I get really close to and then But like, isn't it always like one person though? Yeah, it's, it's just it's one person right, so and you get really close to them right. and it's like it's you're safe because you think okay, well, at this point they've seen enough of me right. that like they you know, I'm relatively certain that they've seen some real bad stuff and they're still sort of here. So, but haven't those people ever exhausted and, and sort of had to go like, D- you got to find <laughs> one other friend you need to, you, you need, I need like, cause I used to do a joke about that. Like you only need two friends. You need the main friend, and the backup friend. I, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah. You did. <laughs> you did some research, but, but that, Although I've, I've been a fan of yours for a while, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's true. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've had, like I have, like I had to pull back. From from putting so much to the point where I, I don't I I keep very few friends like because at some point I realize like I always lock into one friend mm. and and if they don't if they can't be there for me it's a disaster. See, I, I feel like I I saw that I have a tendency to do that and I'm so scared of doing it that right. I get I get in my own head and I think that that's where most most of the anxiety comes from is trying to self police. So that I don't get to that point, I'm so afraid of getting to making it. different choices. I mean, I mean, self police is is sort of a uh, it's it's a I don't know if it's a negative way, but it's certainly a a hard way to to make a metaphor for cognitive decision making. A lot of times for me, it feels like self policing. 
where I'll, I'll see like, I am I, I'm just very always suspicious of myself, always watching myself. Like, are, are you going to mess this up? What are you, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. Like what, what are you doing over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have, do you, are you able to have a good time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I feel like within the last couple of years, I, I've made, made good progress on feeling more okay with myself. Mm-hmm. I still, I, my my self view and my self talk has turned more into like the way you treat a child. Yeah. Like I, I very much talk to myself with an understanding tone and that you would that you would talk to like a, a child who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. As opposed to a bad parent going like, What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, oh, okay, what like Okay, look yeah. <laughs> look what happened. Get get a towel. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you made a mess. <laughs> So, okay, so Julie, this is a problem. So you're in college and you're ostracized. Yes, and it, it was- um, And you had to live with her the whole time this was going on? No, I, I lived with her for about six months. Mm-hmm. And she finally just, she she quote unquote broke up with me, the the friend breakup. I was she like, said I, I'm that? moving. She, yeah. she, um, she was really angry at me uh, for- She probably loved you. Couldn't handle it. <laughs> Couldn't handle I, it. I don't, I don't think so. Mm. But she- she got angry at me, which mm. I, would, I would later find out the reason for, but I, I was very confused. I just knew that she wasn't talking to me and it was awkward because no. li- we lived in the same room. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm very bad at, at dealing with um, silent anger. It's, it's okay if it's coming out, if it's yeah. coming directly at me because yeah, then I have, yeah, yeah. I, I, can, I can react to can it. can walk into it, yeah. Right, but when it's just sort of like there yeah. and I'm forced to That's be in worse. a room with it's it. Passive, aggressive, horrible. Yeah, and, and I'd, I'd even ask her, you know, like, is, is there something wrong? She's, no, I'm fine. That's a control thing. Fuck. Is it? <laughs> yeah, because like you know, she's got you just spinning all the time. Yeah, and and so there there was a few oh, weeks of that, sorry. and then finally we went out to coffee, and I and I here I was thinking, oh maybe we're gonna resolve our differences. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she's she's taking me out to coffee, and, <laughs> and we're gonna be friends so again. Sad. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm moving out. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and <laughs> heartache. And then I I moved in with a with a new roommate who was sort of like. She had all of the problems that I have, but like way more. Oh, good. Well, that's way good. more. That helped. That's helpful. It, it was helpful. I mean, and we we got along. I mean, it was it was stressful living with her, but I, um, like we we got along. But it, but it must have provided you like at least some ability to to see that you're common things to to have something in common with somebody, but to realize like wow, this could be a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was it's it was definitely comforting and um I think she found comfort in the fact that like you know we we were both a little bit messy. Yeah. Like but she well I was I was a little bit messy. She was like she would pile like throw garbage away under her like bed. What? Like her uh Yeah. We had raised beds, like okay, wafted so, beds. So she couldn't put things in the garbage? And, and yeah, so no, she went when her garbage can would fill up, yeah. she would go and buy a new garbage can. Yeah. I, I I went and excavated this entire, it, there was a pile probably five feet tall of garbage at some point, And I- was Didn't like, it okay. stink? Oh, it stunk real bad. And this was in the place you lived? Yes, and, I, I, and I'm so non-confrontational. I was just like, yeah, maybe you can like <laughs> do something. You, you didn't ever go like, do you smell that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was just like, well, this is, maybe we can. I made it like a group thing. Like we can start taking out trash. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> and we're gonna do it. And that and, did... and she she wasn't as enthusiastic about it. So, uh, <laughs> oh my god. So how long the, did you live with her? About six months again, and then I finally got my own place. And I've. <sighs> what happened to that girl? I I don't know. I've not I've not seen her since. I mean, we, we parted on good terms. Yeah. Like it it wasn't. I I don't tend to hold hold anger in me i don't were you, were you able to have relationships with men 
Yeah. Oh, I've I've always found men easy to relate to. Yeah. I, I love I love men. Yeah. Um, not that I don't love women. I just really, really love men. Right. But so you had with successful relationships with yeah. boyfriends and stuff. And um, I always had I always had really good relationships. I'm still good friends with a few of my my boyfriends from the past. And huh. And yeah. Really? And, yeah. And that's interesting. So they they, they dealt. Was, did you find that the relationships that you usually find yourself in are like your parents, where you find a guy that just adores <laughs> you and is willing to, <laughs> to kind of? That, that's a good question. I've never I've never actually thought about the answer to that. So. Maybe. I mean, because my husband is, is a little bit like that. Like, he he <laughs> just really loves me and goes along. And, like, I mean, like, I, I, I definitely pull my weight in the relationship. I, uh, right. Sure. He, you know, I, I helped him learn how to communicate and how to. He didn't know how to talk? He he wasn't good at it. Mm. He, uh, he would, when he'd start having feelings, he'd mm. just sort of, like, panic and shut down and then not want to. Like ah, I don't know what's <laughs> and look at the ground or just walk yeah away or just or... To, like just try to like shove it away mm-hmm. and distract himself until like the crisis was relatively <laughs> the crisis of having a feeling <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's hard to get through because well, he he didn't know what would happen if he acknowledged it if he did, like said okay I'm having any feeling story. like yeah uh... like in any bad fe- any oh. like uh you know so if he was stressed or sad or something yeah. like um right he he had. He has an interesting relationship with with grief. If he's ever grieving something, it's it's hard for him to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, so so he just tries to like put it away, which obviously doesn't let you. Yeah, work yeah. on it's the not thing. good, right? Uh, <laughs> well, there's that the one chapter in in uh, hyper hyperbole and a half where where you know he's upset and you realize he's upset, but you don't really want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Like I know that feeling, that self consciousness of sort of like, oh god, I'm so doing something do else, now. and now like. I got it. all right. They're up. There. I'm with them, and there's a problem. <laughs> well, we we very much have a like the way our relationship economy works is he does the like detail stuff. Mm-hmm. He does the responsibility stuff, like pays the bills, and I I'm the emotional responsibility person. You feel so for I, both of you. I, I feel and and I help I I help him <laughs> sort stuff out. So we, we both we do that's, separate separate you've things. You work that out. No, not. I mean, we just sort of realized that that's how the how the chips fell. Uh huh. That. <laughs> What's he do? He uh he's working on becoming a game designer. That's sort of his dream. So he's computer games. No board games, like really? tabletop games. Yeah. He's working on becoming one. Yeah, he he decided we were both in heading toward a career in science, and you met him in college. Yeah, we met freshman year of college. You've been with him since. Hmm. Oh, that's a long run. Yeah, it's t- ten years now. So you're bo- okay. So let's get back to that then. So you were studying biology. Yes. And it, and what? How that hit the wall. Hit hit the wall. I mean, how did you decide that wasn't your thing? Um, I I just sort of I, I saw myself dreading the idea of having a, a career where I show up and and have a list of things that I have to do. I, I just I just knew I saw. Here's how it worked. I, <laughs> like I saw science. I I, <laughs> like... I saw this life, and I I know I know myself well enough to know when I'm when I'm going to fail, when I'm just totally going to fuck something up. Yeah. And I knew it just every day that I got closer to this reality, it was just like, I'm going to ruin my own life. Yeah. I know that I'm not going to be able to stick with this long enough to actually be successful with it. Like yeah. I just know this about myself. Uh, I don't have the capacity to, to, to do this. Well, that's, a, that's an important thing to know to not self-sabotage because you, <laughs> like you could have had a whole miserable life. I, I, yeah, I think I think I probably would have been pretty miserable. And it was just the 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 science part of science. Where well, you had I to... I wanted to be a doctor because somewhere in my identity, 
I, I I love the idea of being a doctor. I just I love the concept of it. Right. Um, what kind would you have been? I liked um, probably an internist of some sort, sure. of like di- diagnostic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, helping people. Yeah. So was, I, I like the idea. So like helping people is very important to my identity. It's very important for me to see myself. As helping. somebody, as two yeah, chefs. that's a very funny chapter too, <laughs> where you're like, uh, like just seeing yourself as maybe being that is sort of enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a pathological helper. I love helping in your head. <laughs> yeah, but do you do it in real life? I well, I do it. Um, oh yeah, like I, I love when like m- if my friends have a problem, that's yeah. the only time I can feel useful to my friends is when they're having problems in their lives. <laughs> so like. I secretly love it when mm-hmm. my friends will call me like, "Oh, I, I had this thing that like yeah. I need I need your help to get through." Oh, you need my help? Like, <laughs> I can I can help you. Let me let me set aside some time for the rest of the day, <laughs> week, month. <laughs> and you and you do or do you find yourself helpful? Mm. My friends tell me that I'm helpful. I don't know if they're just being nice, but uh, but I definitely put a lot of a lot of work into it. Because I, I want to actually be helpful. What do you mean for, you put work into it? Oh, oh, into being there for it. Yeah, because for me, it's it's not like I have to go beyond just convincing myself that I'm helping to like where I can see that, oh, if, if I can see that I have helped, then it helps me convince myself more that I'm being helpful. But do you do you fight the urge to to sort of go like, remember that time I helped you? That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't think I bring it up because I know that if I did that, it would negate my ability to feel good about it. Because you, because I'd know that I you, was you, yeah I, I'd catch on to myself right and it, so I, I I'm always playing this game where I have to stay a step ahead of myself so that I don't see the the game I'm playing <laughs> like every day every day every day I'm always trying to like figure out how to how to be this thing in my identity without alerting myself to the fact that I'm trying to be it yeah so I can enjoy being it right. And that's that requires some sort of vigilance, doesn't it? Oh yeah, and I, but but and it, it's tough being vigilant without realizing you're being vigilant. It's sort of like this this weird right. But like, so it's just I guess maybe you've been doing it long enough to where it's second nature. It I suppose so. <laughs> Thank yeah, God. Yeah. yeah. All right. So all right. So you you turn your back on on science, mm-hmm. and and you're dating this dude, who, and he wants to he wanted to be science too. Yeah, and you both have this realization around the same time. Mine, mine was earlier than his. Yeah. So mine, um, I actually in this this crisis situation where I was seeing like my impending career doom. Uh, yeah, my doom that I'm just going to totally mess this all up. I know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was right after I graduated from college, and uh, I mentioned that I ran track and cross country in college. Yeah. So my idea was, you know what, I'm going to try to be a professional runner. That was my that was my career sure, plan a, originally. That's a good job. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Like, you... <laughs> what, what, what does that even mean? Okay, so you go to races, and if you do well, you get prizes, which can range from like ten thousand dollars to a pumpkin. Right. I, I want a pumpkin before. And <laughs> that's not a good job. No, that's you can't support yourself with a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so I, yeah, also I was... product endorsement, free shoes, that kind of. Stuff. Yeah, I guess. So, so, so that was sort of what I was angling toward. Yeah. Um, because it, that's what I felt like my options were at the time. And it's very immediate for people like us. It's yes, like, exactly. I'm, I'm running another, another immediate thing. Right. But the pumpkin was that the deal breaker? No, the, the deal breaker was I hurt my Achilles tendon. God damn it! And I couldn't. So that I was unemployed and sort of just couldn't fulfill the occupation dream. No, and then so. So yeah, and at this point we had moved to a little town called Hamilton, Montana. 
because that's my husband got a job working in a, a biomedical research laboratory there. Um, and the reason it was there is because it had the Ebola virus at the at the research station, mm-hmm. and it needed to be in a very remote, tiny town so that if something went wrong, it would only kill like three thousand people and not. So it was, so that's where he worked. That's where he was working, and so we're, we're living in this itty bitty little town. Uh, in middle of nowhere, Montana. You're a victim of the Ebola virus in some weird way. <laughs> yeah, in, in some in some yeah, weird way. Your isolation was because of this virus. Yeah, I, I like it's having to blame that, it on now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so th- thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> that part of your life was because of Ebola. <laughs> Fuck Ebola. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so this was a, a sort of depressing time period um, of my life, and I, I that's when I sort of started writing. But is that, when did you start experiencing what you now know to be clinical depression? Probably, I, I feel like on some low level, it was during college, on right. on some very low level, but it became bad in like 2010. You had reasons to be depressed. You were isolated. Yeah. So so then I actually had reasons. Right. And then and it so it's, just... it's hard to say that that was because, yeah, it's, it's tough to say because there were reasons. All right. So these, this was the dark time. Yeah. It, it was it was sort of a dark time. Into, <clears> and then, I, I don't know, maybe for me... I've I've wondered, you know, why why do I want to do comedy? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a it's another identity thing. It's a it's an approval seeking thing. I think that it's also, seeking. but it's also a way. Not, that's I think that's minimizing it. Well, it's, for me, yeah, I was. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you're wrong about you okay. right now. Okay. I think it's also a way of having a point of view. Yeah. It's a way of disarming things. That's it's true. It's a way of self acceptance. It's a way of communicating with others. It's a way of understanding. It's a way of dealing with sadness, anger, yeah, fear. I mean, it definitely is a lot of things. Yeah, I'm wondering. I, th- I think that the the motivation to start may have started with the selfish sure. for me. The started with the selfish. Like yeah. I just want. I, I want to make. I'm not people denying laugh. your experience. I'm just like I don't want you to undersell yourself. Yeah, or, but, but or I, comedy. No, I, I think you're correct. It, now it's it's become it's become more. But that I, moment you decided it was. Selfish. Yeah, it was. It was sort of. I, I wanted to do this thing. I was feeling bad, feeling bad about myself. Yeah. And the the way I decided to deal with this was to sort of put myself out there in a very. <laughs> but 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 also but it's but but there's a uh, there's something in between putting yourself out there and 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 your selfish your idea of selfishness is that it seems to me what you realize in that moment is that you were an artistic person, you were a creative person, you were somebody that wanted to express yourself. Yeah, you, yeah. So like, so that's, you know, you don't want to miss that part. Yeah. <laughs> is that, this is, this is the birth of an artist. It's not just like, <laughs> I didn't feel good and I was selfish and I needed everyone to see me. Yeah, I mean like, maybe I am minimizing it. But yeah, I, I definitely, when I think back to it, I, I definitely view it as this, and maybe, maybe this, reveal something about my self-view. I, I feel very guilty about stuff like this, about wanting, because I, my relationship with attention is is sort of weird. I crave it, but I feel horrible about craving it. So I sort of well, try to That's better than that. me. I crave it and I feel horrible about getting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in a healthier place. I, I also feel pretty horrible about getting it sometimes, because then it's just like, well, did, it's like, you know, screaming for attention and then suddenly the spotlight's on you. And it's like, wait, 
what was my plan here? And then once you create something everybody likes, there's expectation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that that's the next level of it. It's like, when's your new book coming out? Yeah. <laughs> How come there's not a new blog post up? And you're like, what? Well, I right. Can... Like, I, I wanted the, I wanted all the good stuff without having, like, the responsibility of it. Uh-huh. And I... All right. So, so you start doing this. So, like, in that moment that, where you took this selfish step to, uh, to uh, get attention. Yeah. That's when he started playing around with the paintbrush and when he started... Did so you, I, I was did you just writing with, at first. So you started with just essays? Yeah, so, so just, just journaling, writing. Journaling. Yeah, so, so, sort of journaling. I, like I wrote, I think the first thing I published was like an open letter to my neighbors who mm-hmm. were just annoying sorts who, of neighbors. Who were your inspirations for doing this? I mean, because you, you were always conscious that you were doing comedy and you were writing comedy and you were writing funny things. Mm-hmm. So like who sort of gave you the idea that you could do that? I mean, I, I've always been really into stand-up comedy. Yeah. And uh, I've I've never felt, for some reason, I've never felt that I could personally do it. I actually think there there was some blog that I'd seen, or some, maybe it was like a, I, I know I'd read a lot of like the like Craig, best of Craigslist. Uh-huh. I was reading that, and then uh-huh. somebody wrote like a, or a blog or a Tumblr where they had chronicled their experience living with like the worst landlord in the history of landlords. Right. Um, and I think that that was the the one that was like, hey, this is a person just writing something on the internet. Well, that's interesting. Nobody gave him permission to do it. He just right. did it. Right. And that's a, like, that's a generational difference in me. Like, you know, there this stuff was out there and you were sort of consuming it and you could see that you could do it. Yeah. Easily. And so I was like, well, I, I want to see what happens if I try to do this. Uh-huh. Um, and so I just started putting stuff out there. Um, With the, what was the name of the site? Was it just on a Tumblr or hyperbole and half? Oh, it was always it was, that. yeah. So it, it, it was always that. I I don't, I don't know how I feel about the name now, but I know that I when I was creating my blog, there was a, a like a form thing that I had to fill out the name of it before I was allowed to go further. Yeah. And I just I just wanted to get to the part where I could start writing. I was yeah. in one of those modes where I have to write now. Yeah. And so I just thought of like the first semi clever thing I could think of. And, and that's what it that is. Was, that's what it's been ever yeah. since. <laughs> stuck. It's just sort of stuck, yeah. So you're writing and you're starting to get reactions pretty quickly or? Yeah, I, f- I think that people started trickling out. I remember being really excited when I had like eight, like eight followers. Yeah. I was like eight entire people out in the ether are are following me, yeah, yeah, are paying yeah. attention to what I'm doing. Right, right. And and you knew their you knew their names or at least their screen names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and first, did, did you interact with them? Yeah, I, I I read their stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they and they read my stuff. So mm-hmm. how long did you just write before you like what was the the decision to start illustrating? So the decision I because I, I feel like stand up was a huge influence on me and I was very frustrated that I couldn't You never tried it. I I tried it. It was embarrassing to me. I've recorded. I've actually like worked out whole routines and recorded myself doing stand up alone. And I uh, love the idea of people doing stand up for rehearsing stand up. I, 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 I years ago there was this comedy booking agency that mm. you know I that used to book me on gigs and and the woman who who ran it would get submission tapes mm-hmm. and there was this tape of this guy who obviously had a friend with a record mm-hmm. of the sound of laughter of candle oh. <laughs> so it was just him in a basement against a wall and he was doing his act and then you just hear his friend drop the needle <laughs> on the record of people laughing <laughs> it was it was a fucking masterpiece <laughs> all right so you're obsessed with the stand-up thing so yeah so but because i i like the I feel like when when you're communicating with someone live, you have a lot more access to other 
comedic tools, mm-hmm. like f- facial expressions, body mm-hmm. posture, tone right. of voice. Um, and it was driving me a little bit crazy that I didn't have an those immediacy. Things. Yeah, and, and immediacy. And so for for me, the drawings were a way to like bring in a little bit of that physicality to it. Put a facial expression right. in there. That's like this is the tone that I'm attempting to right. convey. And so, so and yeah, you've I think never that done how, any drawing. I, I've I'd actually I've done a lot of drawing. I drew a ton growing up. Um, it was something you liked to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I, I got pretty good at it. I'd say. Like I used to read comics occasionally and graphic novels, but the experience of the emotions of these of these anim- of these illustrations, you know, just sort of really hammers it. Because I mean, you can read the joke and the joke will stand fine, but then when you keep going back and forth from, you know, the the the, the writing to the character, you know, <laughs> it just keeps amplifying itself. It's a it's a rare gift you have. Thank you. I I'm really bad at fielding praise. All right. Well, then so just, I'm not. I'm not going to. Well, <laughs> well, well. The, the question then is: You've had profound success with this. I mean, I, I, I don't know, you know, how the book is selling, but I know that you know the blog is ex- extremely popular. And I was the one, you know, the people I talked to people. I said I'm interviewing her, and and, and they're like, "Do you read the blog?" I'm like, "There's a blog," <laughs> you know, like I have the book. Mm. I have the book, and so now, <laughs> like I just read the the one that's up, the latest one up there about the dinosaur costume, mm. which is hilarious. Thank you. The way that you're able again to sort of track your inner conflict uh and and find some resolution as an adult through these childhood experiences do you do you do you find you still have a resource of those left that that i still have material left from from, from my childhood tra- yeah yeah so um i'm in the middle of writing a, a batch of stories for my second book now um and how'd this do the book it, it did well yeah um it's Good. it surprised me i wasn't really expecting anything <laughs> just sort of well like, i gave to somebody who who actually reads some of it to her kid that's like cool. there, but there's like a, a, an ability to do that. Like a kid of a certain age can probably identify with your childhood experiences. Like they're not, it, it's not dark in the way that you can't. Mm-hmm. Like a, a sophisticated kid can, you know, take it in and find it hilarious, especially the dog stories. Do you yeah. still have both those dogs? Yep, still have them both. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're still as messed up as ever. So you experienced the first wave of depression in 2010. Mm-hmm. And you stopped writing for a while? Yeah, so I'd say it, it reached a point in like, it. 2010 is when the descent started and it reached a head in like late 2011, early 2012. That's when that's when things were really bad for me. And you were incapacitated. And totally incapacitated, suicidal, just all of that. It was awful. Um, and so yeah, so that that's when that's when things were the absolute worst. Did you, and what did you do to, to help yourself? Um, I, through the pleading of my, my mother and my husband, uh, I went to a doctor and got put on anti, antidepressants mm-hmm. and they, they took a long time to start working. Um, but they, but they eventually helped is sort of like a, to me, it felt like a, the effect of like a pain reliever on, on pain where mm-hmm. you, you can tell what's under there. You can tell that you're, that something's not right, but mm-hmm. it's dulled. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's how my experience of antidepressants was. But you it, were resistant to it? <laughs> resistant to the idea of antidepressants. Yeah. Well, at first, I mean, because like, I don't need that. It's not gonna, yeah, not gonna make a difference. But or whatever, somebody but... who's so involved with their head, the idea of altering your head, exactly. even though you were uncomfortable, must have been like, well, then how can I trust anything if I'm exactly? And and I eventually just had to get desperate enough. Like, right. I don't even want to be alive right now. This is obviously. How did your husband put up with that? Uh he it was it was hard for him just because like I, I think it's difficult to see somebody you love. It just in such a dark spot 
Yeah. And and he there was some degree of helplessness. I think he he, he couldn't. Do anything and then also to sort of realize that it's got nothing to do with you has got to be a struggle. Yeah, that there's nothing, there's nothing he can do to help. There's nothing he can. That it, yeah, and it's, it's tough to separate that. Like, oh, because I'm so flat that there's nothing wrong in the relationship. There was one thing you wrote in here, just in relation to my father, about you know seeing somebody who's like that mm-hmm. and not you know and not understanding what there's a flatness to them that you can feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you must have experienced some of that with your sister over your yeah, life. Yeah, That the despondency. Yes. That, the, you know, because I can tell when my dad's there within a second. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's it's Yeah, just you said it like sucks the air out of the room. It just sort of like. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, you just, it's like, I don't, it, I guess if you haven't experienced it yourself or seen it in other people, it's it's really hard to explain. But I think you did a good job with it. Thank you. So did you stay on the medicine? Um, I actually just recently went off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel it's been about three weeks and I feel good. I feel normal. Got, got you. Hopefully it lasts. Yeah, I, I hope so. But either uh, way, I got you in a good window here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I've felt more myself in, in like four years. And mm-hmm. who knows how long it's going to last. But, but so you did all the writing about it afterwards. Once you yeah. leveled off, mm-hmm. got a little distance from it. Yes. And but it was fresh enough to really ha- you know, have the feelings be tangible enough to communicate it so right. well in the book. And and I was still in it to some degree. I mean, I still felt depressed, just right. not. It, I wasn't bottomed out. You weren't unable to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I think that because you can feel the immediacy of it, but obviously you had some distance in order to yeah to have some. I, I wrote during the time, um, sometimes because I, I just didn't know what else to do. And so I'd sit down and write. And it was, you know, in the form that it came out of me originally, it was very not funny at all. Right. Um, but were you able to use that later? Yes. I was able to go back and look at look so at. So it was almost like, you know, I'm in hell. Yeah. There's nothing funny about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I got to do this. And then later you were able to contextualize it yes. with some hindsight. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we we talked earlier about your your sister, your sister's illness and in, in, in bipolar, and that she ended her her life. And um, how how are you processing? What, what happened? She um so on on New Year's Eve, she drove her car in front of a train, and that's that's how it ended. <sighs> on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, yeah. I've I've lived with some bipolar in my family, and th- there's always a sort of threat of that happening. But I mean, had she been suicidal before? She she had she'd made a couple attempts. Oh, she had. Um, and never it was my the way my mom referred to it was like practice suicides where she would do something, but it was clear that like she wanted to have an out just in case she changed her mind. But was the the consensus or the feeling in the family that? that she was probably going to do that and that there was nothing anyone could do to stop it if she wanted we to. We always sort of feared it, but yeah, it's especially since it had happened a couple times, like the a couple she made a couple attempts, but it never felt like she was really committed. It, yeah, it didn't feel like she but was But it really, wasn't a cry for help thing. No, this because she, why couldn't they get her medicated properly? They they tried. She kept going off of the medication she had a really hard time accepting that she needed the medication because she she didn't like to she didn't like to see herself as somebody sick and also when they're manic they right you start feeling better about it Ugh. and and this was this was a depressive episode she had recently tried to change up her medications 
um and it just it just wasn't working she had been it was a couple months where she was just totally you know didn't have any emotional variation whatsoever just felt bored and mm. detached all the time and I, I talked to her on the phone a few times just because like I've I've also been suicidally depressed and we we were able to talk a little bit about it but you know it's there I, I didn't feel like anything I could have said really would have helped much at that point right it's just horrible when it does happen and and you all knew that's what it was it wasn't an accident yeah, yeah. um yeah. And, and then it's just so weird like it 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 just brought up a lot of weird stuff. You know, I, I was pretty horribly depressed at that time period as well. And so I was having a, a hard time um, figuring out my emotions around it. Uh-huh. And then, you know, it, it brings up this whole thing where like, you know, my, my parents knew that I had been suicidal at some point and suddenly they, um, we, there was this weird conversation where when I first got home for the funeral, my, my dad gripped me by my shoulders and looked at me in the face, just crying. He say, you can't kill yourself. You can't do this. You, you, you're all we have left. Really? <laughs> and it's also like this pressure. And I, it's sort of a fucked up moment because my immediate thought was, well, fuck. And like, now what am I going to use to comfort myself when things get like, <laughs> now, I'm not, now I'm not allowed to, to like. <laughs> well, you can think about it. Yeah, but now there's this weird thing of like, you know, my dad's <laughs> sobbing the- face holding my, <laughs> holding me by the shoulders. Like, well, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Because no one wants you to kill yourself, but if that's going to be what it's going to stop you from doing it, that's uh, that's fine. See, I mean, there there have only been a few, like maybe just the the one time where I really seriously considered doing it. Other times, it's more just been a, it's comforting to me. Yeah, I used to do a joke about that. Yeah, that 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 there's an out. Well, yeah, the the joke I used to do was, um, you know. you know, I, I, I thought about suicide. I didn't really want to kill myself. I just found it comforting to know that I could if I had to. Yeah, exactly. Because there's that moment where you're like, why does everything have to, hey, yeah. I could always kill myself. It's another control thing. Right, more back to like work. Why well, I, I actually tag it by saying it's the spiritual reprieve of the faithless. Yeah, there you go. It's dark. Mm-hmm. No, that's, but yeah, it's it's sort of like, the way you can let go and you know, people who are religious have that and like, oh, there's a God, you know, yeah, right. I I can put my trust in this higher power. Or that things will get better. Yeah, that things will get better. And like, it's like, well, if they get too bad, at least I can, yeah. at least I have an out. Right. <laughs> well, they have God. Yeah. We have suicide. Yes. Suicidal <laughs> rumination. Is it, is it, I don't think that's a community builder, you know. No, uh, no, no, no. No church for that necessarily. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry you went through that, but so now as somebody who, who, um, how how are you going to approach it? Are you going to approach it in your work? I, I want to write about it at some point. I feel like it's, um, it's important for my process of getting through it and sorting things out. And I mean, there's stuff that came up in me and in my family that I never would have thought of, you know, as far as grieving goes, where it's like, you know, I... The, the way the way that I work through things is I just talk them to death. Like when I when I'm stuck mm-hmm. psychologically and at a point where it's like I I just kept replaying the scene of like what her last moments must have been like, and I just over and over and over obsessively for days and so weeks. Do you have that morbid thoughts thing? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like I, my brain immediately goes to like the most morbid, horrifying way that it could have that right. it could have played out, and repeats that. That's scene an OCD in thing, right? It, it, I suppose it probably Maria is. has that too. Bamford has the morbid thought. Yeah, thing. where it's and and my brain just does that, and so it's like, okay, well, I'm I'm obviously stuck at some point, and I need to to move past it. And 
One interesting thing I, I found out is that, um, so when, when people were expressing sympathy to me, I'd get all these emails and stuff and, uh, and messages and mm. phone calls from people um, being like, I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened. And I noticed myself feeling almost guilty. Like I was like, oh, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve your pity. I don't deserve this. And I, and I, and I looked back at like my sister and my relationship we weren't especially close Mm -hmm. growing up i mean we had we had resolved our differences pretty much at this point Mm -hmm. but um i felt like from from an outside perspective i felt like oh i shouldn't be as sad as i'm feeling Mm -hmm. um because of we were a little bit distant but then i was feeling like all this this genuine grief but i wouldn't let myself sort of experience it because it's like oh you don't deserve to feel that you don't like you weren't close enough to her to feel to feel that so i didn't i didn't like let myself right. go with it right and so i was just stuck right until i could talk it out and realize that that's what's happening and like no i i really am feeling these these things like i i really did love her sure yeah. um <laughs> yeah. and yeah so that, that was one one of the interesting things that happened it's just like i didn't expect myself to react that way well i think it's it, it isn't that something that the human brain does that you're you're you, you know, I think that grief is so tricky that you don't want to be consumed with it. Yeah. So, so something's going to to distract you. It's it's the denial, maybe not denial, but it's some version of the five. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know that that you're going to feel these these different levels of this, and and the the grief will kind of come up as it does, unless you're really good at repressing it, and then God knows <laughs> what's going to happen. You sort of have to ease into it, like a. Like a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think so. In, in a hot tub of your tears. Yes, <laughs> a hot tub made entirely filled entirely with <laughs> your tears. tears. That's how well, you know you. I couldn't cry actually. I didn't cry until maybe two weeks after it had happened. I was so depressed and so emotionally like dead inside that I couldn't. And it was really frustrating to me because I saw myself not like not crying. I felt awful inside but and you're beating yourself up for not crying. for not crying it's like this is not a normal this is what a psychopath would be like if you know they were in this experience well, you know, having this experience well that's what that's that piece in the book that that you know my dad at his father's funeral was sort of manic mm-hmm. and it was really disconcerting yeah there were so you're, you're just probably, making jokes yeah, making the rounds yeah, yeah you're, you're probably it's probably better the other way yeah <laughs> where i'm just like well yeah i can't i can't feel anything and you know finally at the funeral i was able to to cry and it felt really good to for have it come out and you know and it came out all at once it just hit me like oh that's good well that must have been i was gonna say like a train but that's and did it did it shake you from your depression at all um i don't think it shook me from it but it it gave me some important insights into it Mm -hmm. you know just like that one when when you're really depressed you don't feel like you can take anything beyond the particular brand of misery that you're already experiencing and then there's this thing and 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 2013 was just sort of a fuck of a year for me yeah i had i also had a a cancer a personal cancer scare major surgery a bunch of stuff just a ton of stuff happened and Mm i um i got in this like almost victim mindset of like it's i i'm experiencing this horrible thing and then everything is happening on top of it like that shouldn't happen that's not that's right. not fair, but there's no like universal justice system, right? No. So like, there's nothing governing whether that can me? happen or not. Do, do you want me to confirm? <laughs> yeah, that? sure. Yeah, there is no universal. Yeah, no. 
You're 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 just another person. Yeah, just another person. So there's not there's nothing like oh well you know clearly you've had it pretty hard so we're gonna go okay. easy on you for a little while like there's n- but there, none of that. But there is the human capacity to 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 sort of get through things. Yes, and to integrate things and to to survive and and to flourish and to learn from and and to you know realize that that's really it. That's better than being the victim mindset. Yeah, so, is that like Jesus Christ? You know, right. I, I survived that at the worst time. Exactly. And so I think that, that that's the the good that has come out of it. And looking back, it's like, wow, I could, I'm pretty resilient. Yeah. <laughs> I can, like, if I can make it through all that and still, it, it makes me a little bit less anxious and scared about the future because I've seen, like, okay, well, I, if I can make it through this this clusterfuck of a year. Sure. A cancer scare or or having surgery for cancer and losing a sibling is about as bad as it gets. And and yeah, and so, and it, and it and you know it was horrible, but I know that I can get yeah, through it. Sure. And you know now, and now that I'm experiencing this like reprieve of sort of relative normalcy, um, it's it's a a good thing to have because I can see that I've made it through that that horrible stretch into to this little island of of safety where I am now. Yeah, you have a resilient spirit. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 that's a good where thing your selfishness know. helps out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a- how are your parents? All right. There, it's it's hard to tell. My mom is, she always puts on the strong face. Yeah. Like she she never wants to let me know that she's because she, she's a mom to her very core. She's the mm-hmm. most mommiest mom person mm-hmm. you can imagine. And so mm-hmm. she, w- when it all happened, she didn't want to freak me out. Didn't want to. So she, you know, obviously the first day it was it was, she was sobbing uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. But uh. Later, I'd say, "Hello, how are you?" And she'd say, "I'm, I'm doing okay." You know, but I, yeah. but I know from knowing her that that's less than true. Uh, I, I think now she's, she's better, but she has days where, yeah, she's not feeling okay. And you, and you can be there for her in those. Yeah, days? I, I try to be. I, I try to make myself available to her, but she still has this thing where, like, I'm the child, she's the parent. Sure. She doesn't want to. Sure. She, she feels like she's putting it on me, you know, oh, and yeah. I don't, and I don't. Um, to me, you know, I'm pathologically helpful. I love helping. I, yeah. I want her to sort of unload well, some you of that are. on me. You are. <laughs> yeah, even if she doesn't let you. Yeah. <laughs> despite being on the phone, probably. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to second your father and say uh, you can't kill yourself because you're the, All right. okay. you're, the, you're the only one left. Now I'm going to see your face. What I'm yeah, thinking about. Put, put so both of us both. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's be a, I'm sure your husband, you can add his face. Yeah, yeah. Just add a bunch of faces. Add a whole just room a, full a bunch of, of just faces. Just, yeah, just saying just no, no, <laughs> no. Go make a, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> just go go do something else. Yeah, go, go, go draw your thing. But here's the, the, the question is that has any of – because what I found from from gaining some success doing my own thing and doing this was that there was a, a component that was always missing for me, which was a, 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 a sense of genuine validation and self-esteem because of the effect it has, you know, outside of me. Like, I, mm. I you know, the, a lot of, all of this work lives outside of you. And you get some feedback and that's validating. But the fact that you've, you know, created this thing and that you continue to create it, has that given you... Uh, some chunk of yourself and your identity. I think so. I mean, it's given me something to sort of attach onto, uh-huh. which is helpful because, like, it's it's sort of like an anchoring point. Uh-huh. Like, I'm I'm out there, sort of like I I don't know what my sense of self is doing, but then there's this thing that can just sort of I can anchor it to. But are you proud of yourself? That I don't know. I th- I think so. Like, I I'm I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. I okay. look at 
um, I, I think I'm a little bit scared to be proud of myself because that that sort of I, I've learned to be timid of those sorts of situations where I can sit back and be like, I'm I'm proud of this. Why? Because you just think like it, it'll make I, you uh, just full of arrogance and and maybe yeah. maybe I I recognize that tendency in myself and I don't want to don't want to give myself even the opportunity. Yeah, but to... but but well, wait, but, but see, I have this struggle too. It's like, why can't we be happy with ourselves? I mean, like, why? What what is the threat of saying like, nah, I did a good job? Like th- then we're gonna stop. Well, I, I think that I I use I manipulate myself very much. Like the the, the best self control I have over myself is sort of this like fear that I can instill in myself. So if I sit back and feel like I've done a good job, I think somewhere deep down I'm afraid that I'm gonna become complacent and that I'm no longer gonna have this this like cattle prod tool of fear that I've been using to but, to but drive ha- myself. Yeah, but I mean, how is it? Why wouldn't you call it? self-hatred i mean I, I think that there's certainly some degree of that as well where i feel like i have to i mean fear is reasonable but to sort of go like nah you're still not quite there yet <laughs> no yeah good try mm-hmm. well i mean so do you ever look I, I feel like i go through this cycle roughly every two to four years where i look back at at myself from you know two or four years ago yeah and it's just, oh my God, what was I doing? Right. I, and I'm so ashamed of, of that person uh-huh. from from years ago. And so I live with this constant suspicion that I'm going to feel that way, you know, looking back in now, from in two years, four years from now. And so maybe that's one reason why I, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be like, oh, I did a good job and then be wrong in four years. I want to be like, oh, I called it. I called it. I knew I was. Yeah, but that's like, <laughs> a, but that's like a, a no-win situation. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's logical. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's anxiety. It's dread. It's, yes, it, yes, it's um, it's all that stuff that you grew up with. It's fear of judgment. It's fear yeah, exactly. of not being cool, and and you don't want to, you know, all of a sudden feel happy and then be told by who I don't know that you were wrong. Yeah, so it's it's like a preemptive defense mechanism. I know, where... but but don't you don't you think you are don't you have? I mean, I would imagine through writing the, the, through your childhood and through the depression. That there is some self acceptance. I mean, you can't. Yeah. I mean, oh, there m- definitely is some degree of it. Um, I, I feel more comfortable with myself. I feel like I've ironed out a little bit more of who I am. Yeah. No, I'm definitely not there yet, but I feel. I know I feel more comfortable being in being in my head. Right. But you know what the weird thing is, and I think this is something I can relate to only because I'm I'm hearing you talk about this, and, and is that like you might be the only one that thinks this shit? Because I mean, I <laughs> you you're not some sort of weird boundaryless yeah. you know drifting person like you know I, I definitely have a sense of 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 yours of you mm. right now I've been talking to you an hour and a half and you know it there wasn't one point where I'm like you know oh my god she's just not clear on her personality and <laughs> it's weird the room is filled up with this weirdness I Th- mean that's good to hear right but, <laughs> but like a lot of times I talk about how angry I am and how fucked up I am yeah I've done some shitty things in my life and I've 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 I've, I've, I've acted out of both you know, selfishness, sadness, self-loathing, anger, whatever, you know, but for the most part, most people are like, I'm not seeing this idea you have of you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the impression I have of you is that you don't seem like, because I've, I've read a lot of your materials, seen yeah. your stand up and yeah, you just seem like right. a, well, why a genuine guy. Right. So why can't we accept that about ourselves? So wow. I, is that like 10 feet above the garage? It's real close. Wow. We almost died. Yeah, I know. 
I'm glad it we made almost, it through. It almost crashed into the... <laughs> yeah, it was so close. That would have been a, 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 such an amazing ending for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Something <laughs> completely out of our control <laughs> for no apparent reason takes us out in the middle of a conversation <laughs> about whether or not we can accept ourselves or have any control over the future. <laughs> and it's just like a point, like an exclamation point, a no, you cannot have control over the future. You That's will right. never, never have control. It's over now. I guess it's good as long as we're not running from something. Yeah, because then the... Uh, you ask all these questions that there's like no answer to, you know, like what's, what's well, I think that's what's great about the book and about, you know, the, the type of people we are in terms of what our creativity is. And I'm just comparing myself to you because I relate to you. It's just that, uh, th that's what it is. They're, they're really not answerable, but it seems like that asking them and living through them, uh, is something that people relate to. And that conversation is not really had that often. Right. And it's what I appreciate about, about your work as well. And I appreciate about yours. <laughs> and I think this was good. You feel like we covered it? I think so. Well, yeah, was, this was good. It's great talking to you. <laughs> you too. How was that? Was that amazing? She came down from the mountains. She came down from the hills. She came down from the north to talk to me. I I, I love her. I love her. I, 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 I had a great time talking to her. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF bees niece. Get the app. You're just getting into this. Get the app. Do it up. What else? Oh, uh, yeah. It caught, you know, Christmas is coming up. We're going to stock up the merch store. I think we're bringing back the Cat Negotiations t-shirt. We're bringing back the Boomer Lives t-shirts by request. I think Brian's going to make a few more mugs. I'll let you know when that happens.